If you like this show, I have two requests. One is to share it with someone and make sure that they know what a podcast is and how to get it. Either show them iTunes or Spotify. And the second request is let me know if there's somebody that you would like to be interviewed in your personal circle. Uh, People ask me all the time where I find these guests and they're friends on Facebook, friends on LinkedIn. Uh, I see uh, news articles and I simply reach out and talk to them and ask them if they'd want to tell their story. So uh, this podcast was founded on the premise that you don't have to be rich and famous to tell a compelling story. And if there's somebody in your world that uh, you think would be a great interview, I guarantee you they would be. And just shoot me a note at podcast at thewarmfront.com and let's hook it up. Thanks. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I could do this all day. The Matt Sodnikar Podcast. Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is Matt Sodnikar. Thank you for everybody that's been listening and sharing this. I really appreciate it. And with me is this morning is a Facebook friend, fellow cyclist, uh, Beth Morford from Frontier Bikes in Eudora, Kansas. And Beth, thank you for talking, having, having a good day. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. And I had plans uh, this year to get out to Kansas, you know, a couple of rides and hang out. And obviously there's, you know, different things going on in the world, but um, take me through how you ended up owning a bike shop. I'm, I've worked in them. I've never owned one, but I've been in the bike industry. And I'm just curious, everybody's uh, wandering path to get to owning a shop. Oh, um, I, ne- well, first let me say, I never thought I would own a bike shop ever in my life. <laughs> Does anyone ever intentionally roll into owning a bike shop? I don't know. I think they just do it cause they love bikes so much. Um, Let's see. I guess it goes back to uh, my previous career. I was a uh, sports massage therapist for almost 15 years of my life. Um, I started my job at uh, right out of getting my massage certificate. I, uh, my husband and I moved out to Virginia. He was going to grad school at Virginia Tech, and I needed a job. And so I just emailed the director of sports medicine there and was like, Hey, uh, you, I mean, athletes need soft tissue work. And it was sort of near the beginning of the boom of soft tissue being utilized as a form of performance, um, therapy for athletes. It was right around the time my friend Brian was working with Michael Phelps in the swimming world, um, like 2004. Um, so, the director of sports medicine just said, I mean, Hey, bring your resume by. And I did. And I, uh, was walked out onto the practice football field, shook the hands of Frank Beamer. I was 22 years old. I was there, there at practice. And that was my first gig was working on Virginia tech football and was starstruck because football at Virginia tech back in 2004, I mean, Beamer ball was, I, I mean, it was the, the life there. Oh yeah. And so I got introduced into doing um, amazing, awesome things with my career straight out of school and um, st- just worked with Olympic level, elite level, collegiate level athletes for 15 years, um, University of Kansas, Texas, Virginia, um, Team USA swimming, um, did medical rotations up at the Olympic training centers, then went to Rio in 2016 with Team USA. And that had always been a goal of mine professionally was to make it to the Olympics. Um, back in 2009, I'd asked a friend who was going to Beijing, how do you do that? And he said, this is how you do it. You know, you jump through these hoops and there were several hoops. And I said, great, I'll jump through all those hoops. Just watch me do it. And I did. And I just did all the things I needed to do to achieve that goal and made it to 2016. But I had been traveling so much. I was like, I need a job. 
that doesn't require me to be away from my kids. I was, my kids were coming into an age, you know, seven, eight, nine, where they really needed mom at home the most. And um, so I started, I had started riding bikes before 2016 uh, Olympic games. I had a stepfather who was a mad cycling fan. He always had cycling races on the TV um, playing. (laughs) (laughs) And he would would just sit there and he would just zone out and watch cycling. And he got me into, uh, convinced me to purchase a a Nash bar cyclocross bike that was too big for me. And at the time I didn't understand what bike sizing and bike fitting meant. And I rode it uncomfortably for a little while until I ended up just selling it. And um, I walked into uh, like a used like recyclery style bike shop and bought another bike that was too big for me. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to try and make this bike fit me. And so I, I was like, and I could take it apart and figure out how it works too. And so I did that. I brought it home. I used tools that weren't meant for bicycles on it to take parts off and tried to put it back together and didn't have the parts to put it back together. <laughs> so <laughs> I walked into uh, Sunflower Outdoor and Bike, which is a local bike shop here in Lawrence, Kansas. And I wanted to know how to do it myself. I didn't want to hand my bike over to someone and then put it together and me not know how to fix it when I when something went wrong in the future. So I asked for an apprenticeship and that was back in 2015. And they said, you know, we're, we're really not looking for an apprentice right now in this, in the service side. And so I went on to the next bike shop in 2016 and that was Velo Plus. It was owned by Vincent Rodriguez at the time. And Vincent uh, is sort of known to be like a, the birthing place for, you know, talent. I don't know if you, We'll get into that in a minute, but he opened the doors to me and let me apprentice. He was like, heck yeah. He saw an opportunity to have a woman in his shop, uh, in the service area to talk to other female customers about bikes, just to be a presence there. And he said, you can come in and he goes, you know what, if you need a bike that fits you, why don't you work off, uh, with your hours, trade a bike for the hours you're putting in here, which is really cool. Very. Uh, yeah, and I got an all-city nature boy. Uh, I was a single speeder right out the get-go. And Wait, what color? What color? Because I ride the exact same bike. <laughs> it was the black with the silver metallic all-city logo. Okay, I've got the red, white, and blue Zona. So, okay. Oh, this was meant one. to be, Beth. This was totally <laughs> meant to be. Sorry, please continue. Keep going. Yes, Destiny. Um, yeah, he, I worked off that bike. Uh, at cost plus 15%. That was their employee rate there. And I started racing gravel and I would, I would wrench there. They had uh, something called open shop nights. Uh, it really, the stoke there, the bike stoke was so high and the community at the time that came with fellow plus was something that, uh, I will always cherish and remember because they were so open and they were so welcoming and, they wanted everyone to be excited about riding bikes. You know, Vincent was frame building on the side as a hobby. Uh, so he loved, he loved bikes uh, and still loves bikes. But, uh, and what year was this, Beth? That was 2016. Okay, so re- really recent. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I worked with them for, I apprenticed for probably a year until I met Julie Petalino. Julie Petalino lives in Lenexa where Velo Plus is located. And she, if anyone knows anything in the bike, if you're, if you're on the pulse of cycling, you know, Julie Petalino, she's a custom frame builder. And she came in and she introduced herself to me and we became friends. And I asked if I could apprentice under her. And so in 2017, in the spring, I started working with her in her shop and her garage, learning about frame building. And I didn't know at the time that it was uh, something that was going to interest me later until she was like, hey, you should go to Philly Bike Expo with me. And I was like, oh, my God, that's a big deal. You know, I want to I want to go do that because I was we were co-building the Star Trek bike. And by co-building, I mean, I did a few of the welds on the frame. 
she did the majority of the she did the majority of the work. I was just going to ask if you know how to weld. That's on my list that I would love to learn how to do. I know how to braise. I know how to fill a braise. I went okay. to um, while apprenticing with her. She nudged me to go to Yamaguchi School Frame Building, um, Frame and Stem Building uh, in Colorado with Koichi Yamaguchi. Mm, yes. And so I did. I in September of 2017, I went to his two week school and did the frame and stem building course uh and that was awesome because I, I was fresh out of that when we rolled into philly bike expo and i wasn't as uncomfortable talking to guys and uh, industry folks about the bikes that we had that she had showing there and just bikes and frame building in general i had a little bit more fresh knowledge so that made me more comfortable um but uh yeah that's where I thought at that point, I was like, Hey, I'm a certified frame builder. Like I'm, I'm went to school for it. I've, I know how to wrench on bikes now. Uh, what should I, how should I apply all these skills? So I decided why not open a bike shop? Because side by side, the business plans, uh, with my skill sets, it was better to go with the bike shop option at the time than the frame building option. Cause I'm such a social person. I'm driven by interactions with people. I'm energized by it. And being a frame builder only in a garage cooped up in a shop, being an extrovert is very hard. So I can see that. I can totally see that. <laughs> so yeah, it, it made sense to go into the retail industry and uh, boy, golly, whew, that on um, my you know my it's funny on my personal instagram my profile says decided to get into retail lol you know i mean that's just <laughs> who gets into retail in the time of online shopping you know like a brick and mortar retail space is uh, is a huge challenge um so that's that's sort of what drove me into opening the bike shop was just a series of events a series of people that were introduced to me that pushed me and nudged me when they saw that I had um, potential in areas of my life that whereas before where I was a sports massage therapist, I just jumped in and did things and chose to, to, to you know, try and achieve my goals without the help of others. This sort of people were like, no, you should really do that. Oh, no, you're really good that you should do that. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. I mean, if you think so. And so I just started believing in what people were telling me versus just motivating myself inwardly. And so that's how it ended up. I have the bike shop now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to I definitely get into the, <clears throat> the stoke and the vibe of Frontier because it's, it's apparent to me just as you're looking at the social media, you're, you've captured that incredibly. But I, I want to come back to that. But the two things that really um, jumped out at me is when you were talking about going to Rio, you just had this curiosity. And what you said was, how do you do this? And where did that curiosity come from? Well, like I had mentioned to you before we started the podcast up, uh, I'm one of six children. And I'm in the middle and we're sort of blended. Like my parents had previous marriages where I have half siblings who are older than me. And then myself and my two younger siblings are the only full blood siblings out of my parents, uh, their marriage together. Um, we, we didn't have a lot of money. I was raised in a generation. I'm Gen X where you were just told to go outside and entertain yourself. And then when you get hungry, come home. Um, <laughs> I, I, I lived in, um, a decent neighborhood in Can in Overland Park uh, for a couple years, where we it was safe enough where we could roam the creek, the dried out creek beds where there you know broken glass and drug needles spread, <laughs> kind of sprawled. I mean, it wasn't the <laughs> safest area, but you know, I was in like kindergarten through second grade, and I would walk to school, which was a mile and a half, two miles down the road, you know, as a what seven year old. And I was responsible for two younger siblings at the age of seven, seven and eight, you know, at that age. And um, I was a latchkey kid. My parents worked. So the curiosity comes from just having to sort of 
be independent and figure things out because my parents were either working um, or they couldn't spread out their attention among six kids. So you had to be creative growing up and especially um, financially, you don't have a lot of money being one of six. And so the opportunities, if you wanted an opportunity, it wasn't going to be handed to you. You had to go and you had to make it, you had to make it come into fruition on your own, you know? And the other thing that I was very impressed about is you had asked several people along the way to be an apprentice and Mm -hmm. people that I've known personally. And I'll just say famous people like in the, the, the arts, that's music movies. It's more, prevalent giving their stuff away at the start when nobody knows who you are. And I I just, I'm struck by the fact that, yeah, you're like, I will work for free because I'm interested and I want to learn. Like that goes a long way with creating an opportunity. And that was just really cool to hear that part of it as well. Uh, Yeah, that, goes back to how I was raised, you know, handouts weren't a thing. Uh, you weren't given opportunity right off the get go. You had to work for it and you had to endure miserable situation of, you know, not having money. I mean, I never came from money, so I wasn't comfortable automatically asking. I was never entitled. So for me to go into an employer and just be like, Hey, you should give me this job. Cause you know, I deserve it. That that's not the mentality <laughs> that I have. That's just part of how I was raised. It's because of how I was raised and the generation I was raised in and, and my situ- my circumstances. So the apprenticeship for me was that made the most sense. Like I'm coming to you and I'm asking you to do something for me automatically. And that's to give me a space to work in and learn in that that was enough for me to like it didn't matter if i was paid or not i mean the bike trade with vincent at bella plus he gave you but i could trade you something at cost you know plus 15 or whatever it was and i was like that's and to me i was like wow that's really generous and in his mind he's like no like how, what else can i do you know it's just we had the same mindset we worked we had you know same perspective on the situation and it, it just worked well, but yeah, that, that lack of entitlement is, is truly like the approach I feel like everyone should take when they, if you want something in life and you, you want it bad enough, then you'll make, you'll do what you need to do to, to achieve that and make it work. Yeah. I read a book and the title has been lost to history and too much beer over the years, but basically this guy said that if <clears throat> whatever is important, you'll get done. And that could be being in front of the TV at a certain time to binge watch, or if you want to build anything, you know, whatever's important, you'll make happen. And it's just, I guess, finding what adds value to your life to make important and then go after it. Yeah, exactly. It, well, and the, the last thing you'd mentioned, and then I'll turn it back over to you, is that you were very good early off listening to people telling you that you're good at this. And I remember my, my first job out of college, I was a software engineer, just graduated and went to work at a company in Boulder writing code, you know, sitting in a cubicle and I gravitated towards the sales and marketing department, you know, as an extrovert (laughs) and the, uh, the marketing manager was like, you should come work for me. And like, you, I heard people saying I was good at this, but I, where I was unlike you is I didn't have the, the confidence and I was being very literal. Like I can't go work in marketing. I just got this engineering degree. I have to be an engineer. And I don't, it took me a while, um, probably 15 years to not look back and, you know, revisit those decisions because they can't change. But, you know, one of those things where, man, I wonder what would have happened had I just, taken one step outside my comfort zone at that point, which I've trained myself to do somewhat better now, but man, if I had done that, you know, at 22, what would have changed? But again, I wasn't ready for it. So I don't beat myself up about it. I just was like, you know, I didn't. Yeah. So, and I, yeah, over the years, it's like, I just don't turn my, 
you know, I look out the windshield, not the rear view mirror, because I can only affect what's in front of me. But it took, you know, challenges like that to figure that out. Yeah, you know, when it comes to, I, ha- I have to, I'll be honest, when I, when it came to my sports massage career, when I, I when I started at being 22 years old, um, I was, I may have taken the leap to go and ask for that job. And honestly, you know, what got me that job wasn't my experience because I didn't have any. It was the fact that I showed up in khaki pants. I showed up in professional, you know, attire Mm. and massage, massage therapists at the time, they, the the sports massage director or the sports medicine director there had said, you know what? Every massage therapist that has come in here and interviewed has worn blue jeans and you came in dressing professionally. And so you get the job. And I was like, well, that was easy, you know? And so from then on, I thought, if, if you want something, it never hurts to ask for it. I mean, the worst that could happen is they're going to say no. And as long as you prepare yourself for someone to say no to you, then you're not losing anything, right? Um, the confidence really only, <clears throat> excuse me, the confidence really only comes from forcefully having to have it. I mean, like I said, I'm from a big family. <clears throat> Sorry. I'm from a big family. and my, my parents were always the, the type who were like, suck it up, you know, just work hard, quit complaining. You can do it. Like you just need to do it. And well, don't complain, just do it, you know, get it done and you, and just know you can do it. So that, that has always resonated in my, in the back of my mind is I know I can do it. My parents always told me I could do it. And now that, that was more of like, they, they didn't have, they were busy working. They were trying to support six kids. But like that, you know, I think now that I'm older and I know better is they were just like brushing me off to the side, like, ah, suck it up. You can do it. You know, like me as a parent now, I, I see that like, you, you know, don't, don't complain, stop moaning and groaning, just do it. You know, you can do it if you set your mind to it. So the confidence is more of a manufactured thing that I've had to a coping mechanism, I guess. Um, The only way I was going to do something was to do it myself. And so I had to be confident. And um, as far as it relates to, you know, listening to the people who have encouraged me when they saw that I had potential, um, I was already confident from the get-go with massage because I got that job right off the bat. I got that division one football gig and, you know, it was, it was a successful gig. And then I rolled straight into division one swimming right after that. And then I rolled into working with team USA. Like it was never a downward curve with my sports massage career. It was always an upward curve. And when it came to the bike industry, it was a huge unknown. I didn't know anything about bikes. I didn't know anything about the industry. Um, you know, I, I just sort of took a leap and to have those people believe in me at the time, I think uh, what had a lot to do with the fact that they saw that I was motivated and driven. And that was, that's really all the only two uh, qualities a person needs. If they really want to get something done, they need to be motivated and driven and believe in themselves. And so they provided that whole belief in myself by saying, you can, you could do this, you should do it. And it just takes one or two people to say that. And you really do believe in yourself and you just go for it. Yeah. It's as long as somebody's got the vision and it doesn't, I don't think it matters whether it's um, the sender or the receiver of that particular message. As long as one person can see the potential outcome and through that uncertainty, it's going to happen. And so just somebody telling you, you can figure this out, you can do it. Uh, And I've had that happen. It's like, you know, I don't know what it's going to look like, but you know, Matt, you can figure this out. It's like, Oh yeah. Like they've just, they've, you know, they've lit a little candle and it's like, all right now. Okay. Yeah. That's all it takes. It's really all it takes. Yeah. And and I, and if, if you tell that to the right person, um, boy, you better watch out because 
if you get the, the right person who can be inwardly motivated and inwardly um, driven to, to achieve things, then they're going to do it. And if someone can see that in someone and really um, elevate them by mentoring them or giving them an apprenticeship like I was given, it, it really can make all the difference. I mean, I, I was working in a, in a male dominated industry. Sports medicine is male dominated um, as far as athletic trainers and um, doctors and PTs. A, a lot of the, the sports med teams I traveled on were all men and I was the token female. It became a joke, it became a running joke after a while with Team USA. <laughs> I was like, oh, congratulations on being selected as the token female on the trip. I'm like, oh boy, three weeks with five dudes. Can't wait, you know, um, <laughs> in the middle of Russia. This is going to be great. Um, so when I got into the bike industry, people were like, oof, oof, God, oof, you're a lady in the bike industry. Have fun. And I was like, oh, all right, this is going to be good. That's a challenge. I like it. I'm already used to working <laughs> with a bunch of dudes. Um, uh, and I prefer to, I mean, I have more guy friends in my normal everyday life. Anyway, a lot of the guys, a lot of the people I ride with on mountain bike trails are guys. Um, and, uh, and now I'm in a, a I'm, I'm just, you know, immersed in a, in an industry where there are lots of guys. So it's a good fit for me. I can handle it. I'm tough. I mean, my bike shop has a mansplain fee of a hundred thousand dollars on it because <laughs> my, <laughs> it's, I don't care if I offend people like it's there because you offend me. So, uh, I've had guys come in and I mean, my grand opening night I had. And he put his arm down on my counter. He's like, you know, <laughs> if I can do it my way and you're like, Oh God. And so the mansplain fee was inspired by him. And I, and I, to this day will have men come in and they see my little like girl boss desk placard right at my point of sale and they're like oh so you just don't hire men that's kind of sexist and I'm like you just have no grasp on this world at all so I'm just gonna give you a pass <laughs> <laughs> Jesus thank you for not purchasing anything and just being rude and have a nice day you know <laughs> <laughs> off you go toddle on see you, la see you later <laughs> so yeah I mean it, it has always just been um, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I just take adversity, uh, with a grain of salt and, uh, because of how I, I grew up and just the choice to have a, a positive outlook and make people laugh along the way. You know, when you're one of six, you can't do anything but have a sense of humor. And, yeah. uh, my dad had a sense of humor. I mean, he's, he's a piece of work. He's, he, you know, he's the personality of my, my, my family and I, I, he rubbed off a lot on me. Um, so yeah. Well, going back to that encouragement piece, I've been fortunate that people have reached out, um, over my life and especially like the last 15 years or so to ask for business or personal advice if they have some idea and I go, okay, hold on. I will listen to this and I will help you. But what you got to understand is that um, I get excited and I will encourage <laughs> you. And so I'm just saying like, I'm going to lay out the dominoes for you and see what's possible. I'm not going to worry about right now what is wrong with your idea. So like, don't tell me about this unless you want to get excited <laughs> and they get engaged and it's like, are you cool? And like, yeah, because I've had people that are like, holy shit, I didn't even really think about this. And it was like, man, it's just that, you know, and again, it was something I had to cultivate being more optimistic and, and positive and just seeing what if and asking why not and just telling people like, here's, here's the caveat, here's the terms and conditions of telling me your ideas. Like, we're going to make something out of this. So like get ready. <laughs> That's awesome. I love, I love that. I love how you describe that, you know, prepare, prepare for there to be a lot of excitement. Because <laughs> I, I feel, I feel that I, I, I hard feel that. Um, I tell, I tell people I'm so excited all the time. My stoke level is always, you know, 11 out of 10 most days. Um, and so if they're, coming in the shop and they're like, Hey, you know, tell me wh what, how, like I'm, in I'm inspired by you 
chasing your dreams, like who just opens a bike shop, you know, out of nowhere from coming from a sports medicine background, you know, you know, like, how does that even happen? And I'm like, Oh, pull up a chair. Let me tell you a story, son. Yeah, you know, like, and, and the, I'm like, just get ready to be excited. And you know, have someone in your life who, who wants you to be successful and, and, motivates you and is excited as excited about it if not more than you are I mean that those types of people you have to hold on to and never let go of um because um they're the ones who you're going to look back on and you're going to go god dang had that person not said something or that person not been excited for me or if that person not encouraged me like where would I be just like you said I mean this is a full circle now like just like you said what if, or what had, I mean, you don't want to look in the rear view mirror, but at the same time, like you can use that, uh, learning experience, like a missed opportunity experience for the future to make decisions in the future. Um, it's not always negative to look in the rear view mirror, but, um, you don't want to dwell on it obviously, but yeah, to have that excitedness that level of excitement like just emanating from someone is it can change your life i wish everybody would either be neutral or positive right <clears throat> that that would be my magic wand moment where just again you know our our grandparents and our parents they can't say anything nice don't say anything at all right and if you just going through life you know social media at the store, just interacting with people. If you're just, just don't be negative. Just don't have a, a, um, a bad effect on somebody. Just think about that. And yeah. yeah. And one thing that, and this is not crushing on social media at all, but it's one of those things where I, I will tell people if they ask and, and I'm, you know, not famous, anything like that, but people are like, man, you've got this all figured out. And it's like, you know what? I have no effing idea what I'm doing. <laughs> like I am, <laughs> I am like building my life in flight, you know, building the plane in flight. And it's like, I just fake it. And I'm, I'm not trying to project yes. something I'm not, but it's like, no, I don't, I'll figure it out. And that's, that that sentiment comes not from i would say um overconfidence it comes from being challenged and going well what about this let's try this i don't know what's going to happen but you know i've got experience i've got friends i've got brains i've got uh, adaptability and well, well let's i don't know let's try this see if it works if it doesn't work we'll try something else and I tell yeah. people, I'm like, do not believe everything that you see. Like there's, you know, it's being held up by duct tape and, <laughs> you know, paint <laughs> sticks and glue and like, like, oh, shoot. In foil. Yeah. Hope that doesn't, that just, yeah, don't, don't push too hard. <laughs> you know, but that's, it's funny you say that, that it, to you and to me, it feels like that. It feels like we're constructed of tinfoil and, and toothpicks and tissue paper. <laughs> to be, to be honest, from the outside, people look inwards and I get asked a lot, how are you so confident? And how do you just take that risk? How, like we, it's, we seem unshakable to other people. And to me, that is a mystery. I'm, I'm just going, Hey man, I, I cry too sometimes. Um, I fail. I, um, I have losses in my life. I have, I'm a normal human being. It's just the difference between, you know, myself and someone who doesn't take those risks is just fear. It's, it, people are afraid or they're not afraid. Um, that people were either taught to be afraid or they're taught to not, to not be afraid. Mm -hmm. And so if you let that fear dictate your decisions and your path in life, then you're always going to have those what if moments. If you don't let fear dictate your life, you're, you're going to have less of those what if moments. And you, you know, the learning curve is shallower for the people who are afraid and the learning curve is steeper for the people who aren't afraid. Um, does that mean the people who, you know, live in, in daily fear, does that mean that they're not 
quality individuals? Absolutely not. It's just a matter of what you want. Do you want to live in fear? Or do you not want to live in fear? And I've always just had less than in my life uh, growing up. And so I had to not be afraid. I had to just face life and what it threw at me. Um, I tell people the story of when we lived out in the middle of nowhere in Douglas County, Kansas. Uh, we lived in a double wide trailer. There were like six of us in this like three bedroom double wide trailer. And I will never forget. We had one of the harshest winters. It was probably like 1995. We had a flood in 93 and then winters after that were just like bonkers. And we didn't have insulation around our pipes underneath the double wide trailer. So our pipes froze every winter, the two winters we lived out there. And so our plumbing just froze, like the toilets wouldn't flush. <laughs> so we had to like pour water down the toilet to flush it because of gravity and force and things like that. Um, and that it, like, we were cold, you know, we were, we lived on food stamps. It was, and at the time I remember, remember being embarrassed about it. I remember wondering, like pretending I, I didn't live that way. I remember um, being like right at the beginning of junior high. I, I was in a pivotal moment of youth uh, at the time as a girl too. And I had a friend that lived down the street who had lots of money and her parents were disgusted by us, you know, she, um, embarrassed that her daughter wanted to hang out with me, that kind of thing. And so, um, I think that if you, depending on how your life has unfolded and how it started and how, you know, whatever life path you come from, fear is what is going to dictate your life and how you, you choose to live your life. And, um, so I think I was just raised to not be afraid. I couldn't, couldn't be, I mean, it was horrible situations and, um, I still had family. No one was sick. Um, I still had school. I had a public education and I never starved. And we had people who dropped off groceries at our house. You know, they didn't want us to go hungry or my grandparents would take us for a month in the summer, you know, just to make sure we had a, I don't know, fruitful summer vacation of some kind. It was like Tulsa, Oklahoma vacation. You know, it wasn't California or Florida, it was Oklahoma. So um, really, if, if people just erased that fear and that, that insecurity, um, it, it's amazing what can happen in your life. And so that's sort of what's gotten me to this point is lack of that fear. Thanks for sharing that. That's incredibly powerful. And, you know, as you're telling that story, I'm going to um, after this, I'm going to introduce you to my friend, Terry, who was a podcast guest and you guys would immediately hit it off. I think you had a lot of the similar stories growing up and it, you talk about fear. And I spent a lot of time, just the, the past 10, 12 years kind of diving into that topic. And it was because there were circumstances in my life that I had to deal with and uncertainty and went down and looked at a lot of different aspects of the fear. And I would say that, um, I'm not at a point where you're at. I just address the fear. And I think the, the best description I've ever had of it was that fear or like working through the fear. It's not about not having butterflies in your stomach. It's about getting them to fly in formation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I spend a lot of time just trying to acknowledge it, process it, work through it. And I think on the other side, I get to where you start. And I don't think you're saying that you're never afraid. You're not fearless, but well, you correct. just manage it um, very effectively. And I think that's something everybody can do. It just takes work. It's a skill like, you know, putting a bike together or tying your shoes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm never not, I'm never not nervous. You know, I'm never not, I, there's never a time if I'm trying to, if there's a scary time in my life, I'm never, there's, there's always adrenaline. There's always, there's always nerves. Um, but yeah, if you can channel it in a way, my 
I channel my fear, my anxiety, if I have anxiety, um, through, I, I sort of roll it into the next goal. Um, where I'm like, okay, well, it doesn't do any good to sit and be anxious. So let's, let's do something and, and use it positively. Um, and so for example, like right now, I, <laughs> so I registered for Philly bike expo for this fall, uh, to be an exhibitor and I haven't been to frame building school since 2017. Um, I just set up my torch and everything last fall. Um, winter was really, uh, kind of hard on the bike shop and I started renting a, a jig to kind of in the slow times sort of keep, keep me busy. Um, I talking about fear and, and there, there definitely there's fear there, but like I have this bike expo and I have a dude, I have a, ex, I have a due date. very many female frame builders and the industry is really thirsty for that they're thirsty to see diversity uh they're thirsty to be inclusive they're they're desperate for fresh material and faces and while that is a huge opportunity that i see that i i want to take that's a lot of pressure that's a lot of uh nerves that goes along with that and especially not having uh you know laying down, I haven't laid any material down regularly since, uh, working with Julie and going to frame building school in 17, that's three years ago. So I'm sort of having to practice, um, regularly to get that, to, you know, get my bikes built in time for PBE, but like, there's always fear there. I mean, I, I registered for it. I paid the $799 or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I, you know, it was fun. I pushed, you know, register and I'm registered. And I'm like, oh, let's push some social media out about it. And then I'm like, oh, hey, this is, God. oh God. Uh, now it's real. Now I have the nervous poops, you know. And, so, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and But, you know, if, if people are curious, the thought process of like what's going on in her head right now is uh, a combination of oh shit and uh, no big deal. I can do this, and you know I still have time, and this is going to be great, and this is going to be a learning steep learning curve. And you know, the, I really like what is life if you don't try new things, and what is life if you don't experience stress or anxiety or you know joy or you know like trying something new. Like you, you can't just not live. And so my idea of living is to tr do new things that people think you can't do. And so I like to prove people wrong. I am one of six and I argue with my siblings. And I always, you know, <laughs> everyone's always trying to prove the other person wrong. <laughs> my dad especially was good at that. And so like, why don't I prove the public and strangers wrong that, you know, like, Hey, a girl can use torch and a girl could build a bike and, you know, let's just do that. It's fun. But also like, to go out and show other women that it, it's fine. You could do it. Like it's just cause you're a woman doesn't mean you can't do stuff. It's ridiculous. I mean, my friend, uh, Jill is doing the, I did her out in Alaska right now, like first place woman, she's kicking butt. Like it, it, women do great things all the time. It, it's just a matter of, you know, what kind of goals you have in your life and what kind of people are you placing in your life to help you achieve that goal? And, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask anything for anything. I mean, what are people going to tell you? No. So what? Who gives a crap? You know? I love that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and this has always been one of the great joys of um, doing this project, podcast, whatever, is that I have no idea where it's going to go going into it. And then these conversations unfold that just impact me and are just wonderful. And it never ceases to excite me. And like, <laughs> and, and this conversation with you is absolutely no exception. Like the fact that, <laughs> you know, we were, you know, we, we have a bike connection, but yes. that we spent, all this time talking about fear and motivation and things like that. It's just, <laughs> it's just a gift and, and it's very cool. Thank you. I'm not wrapping this up. I'm just saying that, um, 
it's it's yeah. just a a wonderful wonderful surprise oh and, well um yeah. that's, that's that's exciting i think if you can find um people who are cut from the same cloth as you um it's nice to to relate and to talk about similar experiences and you know it it kind of just makes the world feel less i don't know big <laughs> makes the world feel smaller makes it feel smaller so i'm more comfortable and safe and um the world should feel safe yeah when jill gets back i would love to talk to her as well i'm sure she's got like a ton of stuff <laughs> she's got For her sure. hands full but yeah <laughs> i would that would be a yeah a, a wonderful conversation as well. So yeah, yeah, for sure. So for the, for Philly bike, have you yeah, like how far along is what you're going to build? Is it, do you want to talk about that? <laughs> uh, I don't want to make you nervous poop. <laughs> Dude, I've already, I've, the poop has happened. I've already pooped my pants. It's fine. Okay. I'm, just, I'm, an, I'm an adult. I'm just going to sit in it. It's fine. Um, <laughs> uh philly Philly bike uh my my main triangle is mitered and i've done some tacking on it and um i i'm doing the project sort of um uh, collaborating with my friend tyler who owns a business called proper bicycle in kansas city he's uh he knows how to wrench on bikes he uh does it out of his home um he used to work at a bike shop in Manhattan and um I met him through my my uh my dumb bike boy group that I ride with and uh <laughs> they affectionately you know call themselves that but um no he was like I was like hey I, I would like to build some bikes and he's like I like I want to design geo and I want to design dropouts and I want to design yokes and I was like hey well let's collaborate you know like you could be a proper um frontier collabo per se and he's like yeah so he designed the the geometry and um we got the main triangle ordered um uh, and we're waiting on uh his designs to come through for the um dropouts and the yokes on these bikes um so i'm i'm just working along uh slowly i mean i what i have to remind people who are you know constantly like progress picks like my my friend my other friend tyler uh, of bitchin bikes uh, out in california he you know he'll check in occasionally he's like dude you haven't put in any progress like process progress picks up on social media i'm like i'm just moving slow man i've got a bike shop to run um i you know it's not just the bike shop it's it's a lot of other things too i mean it's I have a spin studio and I have social media and I have inventory and I have marketing and I have, I have two kids who are teenagers, you know, and I, I have, I'm doing it all by myself. I'm doing the service in the shop by myself all week until Saturday when I have a part-time wrench come in and I'm teaching the spin classes during the week alongside, you know, another instructor too. And so there are a lot of things, my project's going to move slower than, than other projects where people are just dedicated to building frames, you know? um it'll they'll show up at philly and and there'll be process there'll be process pictures and videos when when it happens so uh it's good to have friends who are who are calling holding me accountable and keeping the stoke level up and then i have julie as a mentor if i ever have questions and then danielle Schoen, who is a huge huge supporter and a dear friend um like julie they i i can just facebook message danielle and be like yo dude i need to do this modification on a fork what fixture like how do i build this fixture and she'll like oh it's super simple do this this and this i'm like oh cool you know so i have ladies i can talk to i mean i've got um i got a well a wellspring of male builders i could reach out to um and ask questions um if i need if i need answers but um yeah, so I've, that was a long answer to your question. It was perfect. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mm. Uh, I like I said, I could talk all day, but um, yeah, I've got the main triangle. I've got this jig. It's a 1993 Henry James jig that, like I said, I'm renting from a retired local builder, and it has so many moving parts to it. It was the limousine of 
of jigs at the time. I mean, I sent pictures of it to Paul. Paul Paul Components is is another mentor of mine, a uh, dear friend. Oh, I love and their stuff. Yes, they're uh, the whole staff is like another family. Like the people of Velocity and the people at at Paul, those are my people. Those are my 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 industry friends, my industry family. When I go places, I I eat dinner with those people. You know, they're just solid salt of the earth people but like i showed paul that jig and he's like oh man that thing was that thing was something else at the time but you know it's 2020 (laughs) 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 um things have changed uh bottom bracket uh, sizes have changed and headset you know uh, head tube sizes have changed and um so there are limitations to it and so I've run into some issues with the jig and at this point I'm sort of like, do I just buy a jig? I mean, now we're talking about a recession. Is that even a good idea? You know, do I even buy more tooling? It's not even, it's, it's a hard decision to make even when the economy's good. Like frame building is a money pit. <laughs> so <laughs> throw a recession on top of that. I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm trying to build bikes and now we, we have, we're entering a recession. Um, possibly, you know? And so, um, yeah, I'm taking this frame building thing one step at a time and I'm trying to do it so that I don't feel pressure and I don't feel nervous. And because uh, to be honest, I've never felt that in my career. I've never been as nervous about something as I am right now about building bikes. Um, I I've already had, um, you know, people, social media is so weird. There aren't any boundaries and I've already, you know, you have people who will comment to you directly on Instagram and be like, Oh, but what about this? And Oh, you know, like I had a, I had a guy when I posted my road frame on my social media, he was like, Oh, those headset spacers are so thick, you know, or whatever. He's like, <laughs> looks, he said, it looks great except for those headset spacers, you know? And I, and I'm just like, thanks bro. Like you, you can't, you can't appreciate anything else about the bike. You're, you're focusing on something that isn't even really there for aesthetic purposes. It's just there for functionality. And, um, so, you know, he didn't mean any harm. And I don't think people, I don't think he really meant harm. It was just one of those comments where you're like, I'm nervous about even putting this out there, you know, and then, and then they, you know, you get comments, you're like, oh, it's crushing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I'm never really given a crap about what people think about me or what I do. And, and your opinion is your opinion. You can stuff it where the sun don't shine for as far as I'm concerned. And I'm just going to do what I do. And if it's not perfect, whatever, I don't care. Um, and I think that, I think that's what, what draws people to the social media aspect of the business is that, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a snarky, sassy female and I do what I want at the way I like to do it. And I don't give a crap what bros say. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to come back at you with like, I might be politically correct. It might not. I might be. And, and not not necessarily correct, but I might have candor. I might not have candor when I say, you know, when I reply to your comment. But um, it's mostly just the approach of when you're when you're a, a t- you know minority in the bike industry. You just you have to be brave and you have to not care. Um, and so I think that's what draws people to social media. It's entertaining. It's real. It's it's us. We're authentic. Um, it's fun, and we like to make people laugh. And that's what people, that's what the world needs. The world needs to be cheered up. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> yeah, you talk about the social media guys. So every time, every, every year when we change the clocks forward and back, I post on the warm front page that it's a uh, purple nurple awareness day. <laughs> because <laughs> I remember seeing that. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, I just, look I invented a bib like it's not the iPhone and it's not the cure for cancer so I can't take myself serious at all and so I posted this and I've got a stock photo of fake doctors and this one guy posted on my Instagram feed he's like um something to the effect of like oh like I knew this was fake because you know you're using third-rate doctors in the stock photo blah 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 and I'm like first of all I'm not going to have my joke explained back to me by somebody that doesn't get the joke. And I was like, you know, completely dispassionate. I just like, 
<laughs> he deleted the comment and blocked yeah. it. And I was yeah. like, you know, dude, you don't get it. And don't explain it to me how bad you don't get it. Like, and I'm not going <laughs> to, like, okay. I know. Yeah. Some people, it's just not worth the time, it, you know, and we're not, and I'm not out, out there to be snarky, to be offensive. Yeah. It's to make light of things. It's to, it's to lighten the mood. It's to uh, make fun of ourselves. It's to, you know, I don't know. There's, I don't always want to talk about bike parts. I don't always want to talk about repairs. I don't always want to talk about bikes, period. You know, like if we can talk about something else, let's talk about something else for a moment. Or, you know, it's, people are too serious sometimes, especially in the bike industry. And, and, and I've done a good job of not reading comment sections, you know, and, um, not being offended by things that total strangers have to say, you know, or blocking bros who have no boundaries, social media, you know, that's the other, the other challenge of being a woman in the industry is like bros just don't have a filter and they don't have boundaries. And, you know, you just like block and delete. (laughs) It's like, they'd go away. No, nope. Not even going to respond to that. You know, like, you just have to be strong enough to do that. And sometimes it gets to me. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, it takes a lot. It takes a lot all at the same time, you know, a lot of criticism all at once and condense, you know, concentrate forms uh, or amounts to really break me down. But that's very rare that it would, that it ever happens that way. Yeah, that's, that's a great perspective. And I, I think you know, th- this is not new for social media, but people would say stuff behind a keyboard that they would, Maybe yes. they would, maybe they would think it, but they definitely wouldn't say it in person. And, you know, there's, yeah. there's no sense exploring that in any more depth because it's just yes. how it is. It is. Yeah. Well, you talk about velocity. Um, they were partners with, uh, Mercury wheels for a while. And I hope I don't have this photo because I can't unsee it. I've got a picture <laughs> of Ryan's toes from Interbike, and he's got, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's like, you know, a couple octopus toes. Like we were just like, what? Like he was telling us his story about this. So I, for your sake, I hope I don't have the photo, but if I do, I'm going to send it to you. He's just got, Oh, please do. Wait, who's toes? <laughs> Who is this? Is this a uh, Velocity employee? Yeah. Ryan up at Velocity. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> this this is why am i not surprised that this would be in existence i think he started telling us the story about it you know it's kind of like the afternoon of of day two of inner bike and you're just standing around and it's like a lull and again you you never remember the the journey to get to this point but somehow we were talking about i don't know toes or something and he just started describing his toes and then just like no way dude and then yeah like on the on the floor <laughs> of her bike like the shoe and the sock comes off and like <laughs> god gross <laughs> and it wasn't it's like the, hilarious. yeah it wasn't like the appearance of the toes i think it was like the dexterity of like what he could do with it like it was you know like uh, I don't know. Is it the second toe that's really long? Yeah. All of his toes are really long? Something like that. I can't, I can't that. wait to see this photo. I can't wait All to right. see it. You're going to make me go through. All right. I'll, <laughs> I'll find it. You have, been char- you have been charged with a booty now. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have lots of time now because we are, you know, some people are assigned to being home all the time. So. Correct. Correct. <laughs> yeah. We're recording this March 20th of 2020. So... <laughs> Oh my God, it is. <laughs> yeah. All right. I want to make, uh, I want us to make a pinky promise that sometime this calendar year, if possible, that we ride our all cities together at some point. Kansas, or Kansas we'll figure it out. I don't have it anymore. What? Oh, this podcast. Ah! Is I know. <laughs> this is it. Don't, you're fired. I wish I never interviewed you. This is the worst interview ever. <laughs> well, then no, we'll ride I... something else. Well, right. I have, you know, I have my Star Trek bike, which is the bike that rules them all. I mean, the clearance on it is nuts. I almost, I can fit 48s with, with Kush left. Like it's bonkers. And, um, 
Oh, I want to, I want a picture of that when I release this episode, would you mind sending it to me? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I have pro photos taken of it, so I'll send you some good stuff. Oh, um, sweet. Yeah, no, I don't, I, I, the all city went to uh, a friend of mine. I sold it to her for a really good price and, um, she wanted to get into gravel riding and she loved the, the way I had built it up. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to have this Star Trek bike and I don't, you can have, you can have this for your next adventure in life. And so she rides it. She loves it. Um, cool. So yeah, it's, it's getting loved still. Don't worry. <laughs> That's okay. It's not what we're riding. It's who we're riding with is all that matters. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been Awesome. Um, like, you know, we talked, I think for the first time last summer for a couple of minutes and immediately mm -hmm. hit it off and mm -hmm. just had seen some of your posts and I was like, Oh, let's, let's talk to Beth. So you, you did not <laughs> disappoint. This was on <laughs> several levels. Um, just what I had hoped for and it, you didn't disappoint. So thank you so much. You're welcome. I have to say when I first found out about your product being, you know, like <laughs> I think when we were talking, I was like, is this a is this a booby warmer? And like, yep. <laughs> you, the way you had designed it, um, you had sent me uh, a sample because I was like, look, dude, like girls' boobs are wider. Like we need wider coverage. And, or uh, what I, what I needed was like a Velcro strap to go around it, to hold it in place. Um, I think was what I would like a modification that I was, you know, sort of suggesting. And I was like, because you know, like women's boobs are, they're all different shapes and sizes and like, how do you hold this in place on different size boobs? And so you'd send me a sample and I think I sent some measurements or something. And yeah, and you I was did. Like, this, this product, like what kind of person comes up with a product like this? Like <laughs> the nippy warmer, you know, like he was out on a ride at some point and he was like, God dang, my, my nips are, are constantly hard. <laughs> <laughs> I need a solution. It's <laughs> my hard nips. And I like, this guy is my people. It's like, <laughs> you can, if you see a problem that needs a solution like that, like I was immediately interested. Like, oh, we're gonna be, we're gonna be instant friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I still have your your uh, your measurements and your description somewhere. I think I even posted <laughs> that on Instagram, and that that will be uh, this summer's design effort as well. Oh so. man. I, well, we need to do the collabo. We still need to do get some frontier. We need to do like some where it's not going to be like any other warm front. You realize that, right? Oh, like it's, totally. It's going to be something. It's going to have tassels on it probably. And I'm, uh, I'm taking notes. <laughs> it has to be a warm front with tassels sewn on the front. It just has to be. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And you could, you could like Velcro, you know, have a Velcro strip where you can move the tassel left or right, depending on which direction your nippies point. So, you know, we have lots of ideas. Let's <laughs> brainstorm Matt. Okay. We'll brainstorm. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, like when you were talking about the, the coverage of it and like the dimensions and the boobs and I was like, I guessed because, you know, as a, as a, boob visitor not owner like i don't really know <laughs> the, the ins and outs of this so i'm gonna have to rely on those <laughs> expertise to guide me <laughs> yeah yeah i mean we're out here we're ready and willing to give you some pointers literally <laughs> <laughs> oh man my my marketing brain is firing on all cylinders right now this <laughs> pew, pew. <laughs> oh man this oh, podcast God. is never going to be aired. Oh, <laughs> I, I can't wait to push it out. Actually, this is awesome. <laughs> oh man, well I appreciate you having me on the show. This has been a real uh, great way to start a Friday, uh, although it feels like it's been a perpetual weekend for the last five days. But let's just keep rolling with it, I guess. <laughs> I totally agree. Um, I'll I'll post links to everything, Beth. But where can people um, have the Frontier Bikes experience with you? You mean just generally speaking? Uh, sure. Or like, for the podcast? Uh, for uh, the shop. This is the plug. This is your commercial oh. now. Oh, God. Ugh, commercial. Uh, I want that adventure voice from the commercials. Coming to you soon. <laughs> <laughs> In a world. For Frontier Bikes. Um, <laughs> probably uh, it, the Instagram page is where we're the most dynamic and the most interactive. Okay. Um, Frontier Bikes Instagram. It's Frontier underscore Bikes. Got it. 
And, um, you know, we have a website, it's frontierbikes.com. It's not as, it's a square website. It's nothing fancy, but you know, whatevs. And then we've got a Facebook page too, which is Frontier Bikes as well. It's not as dynamic and interactive as the Instagram though. I mean, that Instagram is sort of where the community lies. So we focus all of our attention and it's free. So free stuff is great. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, you can, you can find me there and, and I, uh, ask me questions via Instagram if you want. And, um, you know, just keep building and rolling the stoke up via there for that platform. Awesome. Well, Beth, this has been just, uh, <clears throat> so much fun for me and, uh, enlightening and enriching. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. You are so welcome anytime, seriously. So Hold on one sec. I'm going to hit stop and then uh, we'll, we'll be good.